Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the Georgia area, we have... David Allen Duke on the phone. David, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. David is a very interesting story. He's a retired Atlanta, Georgia police officer. He's also retired United States Air Force. Did a full career in the Air Force before becoming a cop. And then, after retiring, he got the bright idea, I'm going to write a book. Tell us about your book, what's the name of it, and where can people get more information? The book is called Notes in Blue, the story of a police officer. It's uh, published by Amazon. It's available as a Kindle e-book and as a paperback. If people wanted more information about it, they could contact me, email at duke, D-U-K-E, 32057 at com. I've also got a Facebook page, which the name is David Duke on that page. Yep, I wrote the book because I, you know, after 23 years in the Air Force, I kind of thought I'd seen it all. I was a rescue pilot, special ops, helicopter pilot. And at the age of 51, I didn't think I could ever be a police officer. I was retired and uh, I had a good friend say, you know, Atlanta, I don't think has an age requirement if you can pass the physical. That's amazing. First of all, before you get into your story, thank you for your service in the Air Force. And then also, thank you for your service in the police department. I got to tell you, David, when I was, I went in the uh, Baltimore Police Academy at 20, and it was physically demanding. It was tough. The running I didn't like at all. But it was mentally challenging because the amount of work you had to do and studying was nonstop, and I think our academy was five months long. So you went into a police academy at 51 years of age. At that time, I was the second oldest guy to go in the academy. The you got to be kidding. You're 51, 52. and you weren't even the oldest. Well, I mean, it was, uh, but I didn't think I'd have any trouble because I've been running, and I can do a ton of push-ups. I can do sit-ups. But one thing I found out, 
about being 51 as opposed to being 21 is you really slow down. And we had some physical requirements. One was an obstacle course we had to do in a minute and 40 seconds. And I mean, I made it by the skin of my teeth. And I didn't think I'd have any trouble physically, but I did because I was not fast enough. Uh, well, I was fast enough. I got through, but just barely. Did you find... One of the things I've noticed that at my age now, my mind still thinks I'm in my 30s. My body definitely is not. And I do not bounce back and recuperate from minor injuries the way I used to. And I look back at the Peace Academy days, David, and it was banged up knees, banged up shoulders, because mm-hmm. it was very physical. The training we had to do was very physical. Did you well, encounter I to, that? I had to go into them. Uh, we weren't supposed to take the test till like uh, two weeks later. But I went on in on like a Tuesday to my instructor and go, I've got to do that test now, that physical test now. He said, why? I said, I'm getting slower every week. I'm getting banged up every week. And you know what? They moved that test up a week and a half so uh, so I could pass it, basically. Because I don't think if I'd waited a couple more weeks, I don't know if I would have made it. And how would you describe your overall experience in the police academy? I tell you, we have a six-month academy and... You know, in the Air Force and in the military, everything's kind of gradual. But in policing, it really was a fire hose. Come and get it. You had to get as much water as you could. And I hated it. I, you know, I thought it was crazy. But I don't know how they could have trained us any better for policing than that six months. Because, you know, one morning you'd be in the classroom. That afternoon you'd be driving backwards through a patrol car obstacle course and then in the evening you'd be wrestling in the mud on an old baseball field it was crazy but really a great academy the atlanta police academy is uh, top notch in my book you bring back so many memories when you say that there was so much classroom material the law that we were always being taught uh, patrol yeah. tactics uh, and then you'd have stuff that was more generalized towards that department and and the city rules and regulations and the department rules and regulations and then we go to physical training and and then months down the road because we didn't start off with gun training but that was a few months down the road and i think part of the process for us david was they wanted to see who would hang in there for the first two months and we started with like 50 people in the class and graduated 21 wow we started with 37 and graduated 25. But, yeah, you're right. If you put that fun stuff up front, you, you may have wasted it. I say fun stuff, like driving and shooting. It cost the department. It cost the academy. So, you know, you need to spend those first six weeks just seeing if they have the right stuff. And one of the things that always gets me really aggravated is people love to criticize police. And I'll be honest, when I came out of the academy, I thought I knew what was going on. Turns out I had no idea, really. No. But no. you, you get a great education, but people make the assumption, and Hollywood perpetuates this, in my opinion, that police are stupid and have absolutely no idea what they're doing and no idea when it comes to the law. And quite often, just like on car stops and searching a car, we knew yeah. far more than defense lawyers did. Oh, of course. Well, I mean, what you're talking about there is one of the reasons I wrote the book. After I became a police officer, I just really couldn't believe some of the stuff I saw. I, I remember during the academy, so we were doing criminal law, and 
just about every class, this one student would ask, is this going to be on the test? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, it's going to be on the test when you're a police officer because you use that stuff every day, and uh, you've got to know it. You've got to know what probable cause is, not just, oh, it's, uh, I believe you did something. You need to know the actual definition, that set of facts or circumstances, which would lead a reasonable person to believe that a crime has been or is about to be committed, and that the person in question is involved in a significant matter. It's more than mere speculation, but less than actual certainty. you got to know that, because that's the reason you're going to deny them their freedom. I mean... <laughs> yeah, and you wind up stopping someone, and you could wind up getting sued, sued oh, in local court, federal court, uh, yeah. disciplinary action from the department, complaints, uh, use of force, use of deadly force. You could become injured. You could become killed. All that can happen. And if you make the slightest mistake, things can go south very, very quickly. So the law part was intense. The patrol yeah. tactics was intense. And then we yeah. had things like, just for example, you had to use deadly force, so you had to know why you stopped them, how to use the deadly force, and then first aid to try to save their lives. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. So this is the Law Enforcement right. Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-709-4389-800-709-4389-800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. Back to our conversation with David Allen Duke. David is, I'd say, a unique case. He's a retired Atlanta, Georgia police officer. He's also retired United States Air Force officer. You weren't a listed man, were you? You were an officer, weren't you? Yes, in the Air Force, I was uh, retired as a lieutenant colonel. Well, wow. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. It's a big jump to go from being a a lieutenant colonel in the military, I would imagine, to being a street cop and taking orders from absolutely everybody, including people and civilians on the street. And everybody knows your job better than you do. We talked about it a little mm-hmm. before uh, we went to break. 
let's go back to your career in the Air Force. You were a helicopter pilot, correct? That's correct. Uh, mostly a rescue pilot. I had uh, 12, we called them saves, in the Air Force where I saved someone's life with my rescues. And then I also flew some special operations missions. I was stationed all over the United States, but and including uh, Korea, and I was the commander of the rescue squadron in Keflavik, Iceland. Wow. Before moving, my last assignment was in Stuttgart, Germany, where I was at a headquarters. But I flew pretty much 20 years of my 23-year Air Force career. Now, you mentioned something hard about going from a lieutenant colonel to basically being a private in the police department. I had a lot of people mention that. In fact, I had, I think a couple of my bosses were a little intimidated. But the way I looked at it as, that was then, I was lieutenant colonel. In fact, I had some police officers who called me Colonel Duke, and I'm like, please, I am an officer. And, and that's what I am. I loved what I did in the Air Force, but I loved what I was doing as a police officer, and I didn't want to think anybody... I didn't want anybody to think I was any better than them or thought I was any better than them because I had been an officer in the uh, Air Force. Well, I've worked with a lot of men and women that were military veterans, and, and the standard mm-hmm. was... And I was very fortunate. When I came on, I got trained by a lot of Vietnam combat veterans. And we also had, I say this all the time, makes me sound really old, but we had some commanders and really old-time police who were Korean War veterans. Um, And they were phenomenal police. They really had what we call the concept of community policing nowadays down pat. They understood the basics of talking to people. They understood respect. They understood that you don't back down. They had it all. Right, And they, those are the ones who taught me. I was very, very fortunate. But we had so many men come in the department, men and women. Uh, they do about three, four years in the military. And then they become police. And it was a natural transition. I don't know the exact numbers, David, but there's a large percentage of American police who are oh, yeah. veterans. Yeah, it's up to 20, 30, 40%. It may not be most, but it's a big minority. Yeah, and they were such good, such good people, such good police, and uh, I have such fond memories of, of working with them. Well, you know, as in the military, you learn some really basic concepts. Well, you think they're basic. Like, if someone says to be somewhere at a certain time in a certain place in the military, you better be there. And you learn punctuality. You learn to carry out orders. But you also have that addition of you've got some maturity. We had a guy in my uh, academy class. He turned 21 during the class. Great guy. But I would often wonder, it must have just been a tough transition when he hit the streets and now he's on his own. He's 21 years old. That's the way it was Uh, for me. I was 20 when I went in the academy and turned 21 about a month and a half in. And mm -hmm. when I hit the streets, I was 21 years old. I always jokingly say that I was like most recruits right out of the academy i had the razor sharp creases in my uniform they were spotless my hair was perfect and i i didn't have blood stains on me yet or ketchup or mustard about three four months later it was a totally different scenario i didn't look the same at all yeah it's kind of like uh when you're in the military you have that spit polish but when you go out in the field it's really tough to do and one of the big differences between the military for me at least and policing. In the military, as a pilot, I spent 
over 90% of my time training in the police. I'd say 98% of my time was out in the field doing my job. And another thing that made it more difficult was, as opposed to the military, in the military, the rules were very well set. I knew the bad guys were over there. If I saw the bad guys, I was to take them down. In the police department, there are no front lines. There are no back lines. There's no place, really, even to rest. You're in the battle from the time, well, basically, from the time you put the uniform on to go to work until you get home and take the uniform off. That was one of the the things that we had conversations with uh, combat veterans who became police, especially we had a few that were special ops guys, and we had explained to them the difference is in police work, you're reactionary. And we're in the military, and I wasn't, I'm not a military veteran, but from what I was explained and told, it was more proactive. So we're, we got an offensive, here's where the bad guy is, our job's gonna either make them surrender or whatever we have to do to, to, to neutralize the, the opponent. In policing, they don't wear uniforms. You, the, the good guys are mixed in with the bad guys, and you have to wait and respond till you see evidence of what or who the bad guy is. Which, which is a, which is a great a, another reason why I wrote this book, Notes in Blue. I would often have people come to me and tell me about their bad experiences with police. I mean, invariably, I would go to a party and someone come to me. You know, this guy pulled me over. He, he treated me like a criminal. And, and, and I try to explain to them, look, he doesn't, you know him, he's a cop, he's the sheriff, he's the constable, he's the police officer. But he doesn't know that you didn't just leave from robbing a bank or murdering somebody and he just happened to pull you over because your headlights weren't on. He doesn't know that. So he has to treat you a certain way. And, you know, this stuff can go south when you're policing. It can go south really, really quick. It sure can. Was, we had a guest yeah. on this show not that long ago named Dub Gillum. He's now retired from Department of Public Safety, Texas Highway Patrol. And he tells mm-hmm. a story. He was a long, long time ago that he had stopped the car for a traffic violation. And the, the old saying in police work is complacency kills. And he says, oh, yeah. I guess I got complacent for a couple seconds because I walked up to the guy and the guy was a, a serial felon wanted for multiple violent crimes. And the guy pulled out a gun and shot him 10 times with a matter of 2.8 seconds and left him on the side of the road to die. And thank goodness he survived. Dub talked about what that was like. He talked about he lost an eye in the shooting. Uh, people didn't expect him to survive. He was able to return to work. They found a position for him and he completed his career. When we return from break, we're going to talk more with David Duke. David is a retired U.S. Air Force, retired lieutenant colonel. He's also a retired Atlanta, Georgia police officer. He's an author. He's got some unique perspective you don't want to miss. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you want to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Of all 
the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. Back to our conversation with David Allen Duke. David is retired United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, and he's also retired Atlanta, Georgia police officer, went in the academy at the age of 51, and I thank you for both of those. Before we went to break, David, one of the things you were talking about, the reason you wrote the book is that quite often everybody says, I got stopped by a cop, he was rude, he's unfriendly, and you're talking about how you know who he is, but they have no idea who you are or what what you're all about. Well, I mean, they know who I am as a police officer, but I don't know who they are for sure. I mean, I can look at your license, but they could have, they could be a criminal. I don't know. So I, I tell you, I had three occasions during traffic stops where I pulled my gun during the traffic stop for really just on a hunch in the back of my head. This is, this is in my book, uh, Notes in Blue, but basically where like an angel said to me, pull your weapon. And in all three of those occasions, I ended up pulling weapons off of felons from those traffic stops. So I, I thank God for that still small voice. But yeah, traffic stops. I can remember one lady was uh, just a young, attractive woman, just telling joke after joke and, and funny and funny. But I wasn't laughing because I'm standing out in a busy street in the middle of the night. And so... As I'm trying to explain this to her, she just keeps crack. I guess she was a comedian. I don't know. But th- she just looked at me, and, and she got all upset that I wasn't laughing at her jokes. I'm like, you know, give me your license. I didn't try to explain explain it to her because it would have just taken too much time. But that's just, you know, a good example of what people don't understand is they think, well, I'm going to pull into this parking lot, and that will make it easier for this cop to take care of me. But you know, when I lit you up, we had a huge median on the right. I'd much rather deal with you on the side of the road if the median's big than in some busy parking lot where I have to look 360 degrees to see if there's danger. Yeah. When you uh, say lit them up, we we were trained early on with the, the spotlight to shine that in their rear view mirror and it kind of illuminate the whole car. And we called it right. lit them up as well. Yeah, but some people leave you on a merry chase thinking they're doing you a favor and they end up taking you to some busy parking lot. Well, I have a lot less control in a busy parking lot. So it's little things like that that in my book I try to explain. I have one section in there about how to survive a traffic stop. I mean, most people don't realize that if you get pulled over for a simple traffic violation, there's a really good chance that you're going to get off with a warning. Mm, yeah. However, if you call the cop a liar or a racist, I, I remember one occasion I gave a warning about a woman who had this big cover around her license plate, which covered the state and this and that. And I said, I'm going to give you a warning about this. She got all upset and goes, I've had that thing on my license plate for the last eight years, and I've never had anybody tell me I need to remove it. She said, show me. The documentation where it's illegal to have a big frame around your license plate. So I had no choice. I went back and wrote her the ticket for George Code 40-2-41, I believe it is. So she'd have documentation. She got the ticket. We used to always <laughs> say it 
it's very easy to not get a ticket, but it's also much easier to talk your way into getting one. And oh, yeah. I, I got to the point, David, maybe this way for you, I don't know. I got to the point where I despise traffic. I would use traffic if I thought the suspect was like in a stolen car or transporting narcotics right. or guns. I really got to the point where you blew a red light, Man, if I had to pull you over, chances are I was just going to give you a verbal warning and get out of there. Right. But inevitably, I'd wind up getting someone that would complain. They'd say, and you, you brought it up, you stopped me because of the color of my skin. You stopped me because of I'm a woman. You, whatever it might be. And one of the things, I, I hear this all the time, especially in social media. If someone gets stopped by the police, the first thing they'll say is they, the officer stopped me because of my appearance or whatever it might be. Right. And I say to them, you can test this out yourselves. You're listening, folks. If you're driving in your car, and let's just say you get to a red light, and you look in the car in front of you, can you tell how many people are in that car? Can you tell whether they're male, they're female? Can you tell their race? You can't tell. Even when the windows aren't tinted, and a lot of them are, they're raised backrests, all those things that are required by law, you cannot tell. Now you take it, you get a van or something like that, forget about it. And right. this is something, you don't even have to drive. You can be walking down the street and look. I'll be honest with you, David, I've stood, since I've been retired, I've stood <laughs> or in my car next to a vehicle and looked, and I can't quite tell whether it's male or female. Yeah, I mean, most people don't don't think about that. They think you pulled them over because you're racist. I uh, can remember that on several occasions. And, and on my beat, I had the same beat for about five years of my career. I had a trainee, and up being a great officer, still is on the force. He comes back to the car and goes, and he was all upset, and I go, what's the problem? He goes, he called me the N-word. I guess it doesn't matter what race the officer is. If someone wants to do that, they're going to do it. They they did, and I, I worked with brothers and sisters that went through the same thing. When people are in that scenario, one of the things that I had to learn to do, I learned this a hard way, is, and you mentioned it earlier in a, a prior segment, that it takes too long to explain, and the more conversation you have with someone, the worse it usually gets. It turns into an right. argument, turns into a supervisor's yeah. complaint. So we learned just not to do that. And if I was going to give you a ticket, then we explain it in court. Otherwise, it was have a nice day. When you went into the police academy at 51, originally did they recruit you to become a uh, helicopter pilot since you had 23 years of helicopter pilot experience in the Air Force? I think that was the plan because after I'd been on the street, about they, they knew I was a helicopter pilot prior. We have four helicopters in the Atlanta Police Department. And after about a year on the, on the street, they came to me and asked, hey, well, we'd love to have you come to the helicopter unit. I've got a commercial instrument rating, multi-engine, all that good stuff, but quite frankly, I was having a great time on the street, and so I declined their invitation. They asked me a couple more times, and I think after that, they go, he doesn't want this great deal, that's fine. And uh, I, I just love the street. So, though I did write their SOP so that they could get, I said I wrote it, I helped write it so they could get accredited. So I did work with them a little bit. So it's funny, you got in patrol, 
which everybody pretty much does in almost every department. You graduate academy, you go to patrol, you do a year or two on patrol, and then you try to get into the different divisions, detective, whatever. You got to get patrol experience first. And yours, you fell in love with it, stayed with it. We're going to take a short break. When we return, we're talking more about David Allen Duke's experience as an Atlanta, Georgia police officer, especially compared to being a helicopter pilot in the United States Air Force. If you want to be a guest on a law enforcement today show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by David Allen Duke. David is a very interesting guy. David did a full career United States Air Force, lieutenant colonel, retired helicopter pilot, and went and became a police officer at the age of 51 in Atlanta, Georgia, and did, I believe, was it 10 years, David? 10 years. Okay. So now you're living the good life. You're retired police, you're retired United States Air Force. It's amazing that... 51 is not old, not by any stretch of imagination when I look back at where I'm at now. However, the thought of being 51 and joining a police academy, I saw someone post on our Facebook page, do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. They, They sent me a message and said, is 38 too old to become a police? I was like, no, it's really not. But I could understand his point of view. 51? I don't know. I don't know if I could do that, man. You're a special cat. Well, I was I was very fortunate. I, I I've got good DNA. I got good knees, shoulders. I don't smoke. I've worked out my whole life. So pretty much, in fact, at fifty one, I was in probably better shape than I was when I was twenty one. Because gotcha. as I've gotten older, I knew the you know the need to work out. My wife and I are both gym rats, so uh, that paid dividends. Nonetheless, physically, I barely made it through the academy. I hear. I, I couldn't do it now. We've got two careers that a lot of people really don't have a good concept of. And I blame Hollywood. When I say Hollywood, I mean television. I mean yes. movies. Uh, and I mean, to some degree, the news media, because that's influenced a lot by Hollywood. So here's your opportunity. I normally ask guests, what's something about America that they just don't get about policing? But in your case... Uh, what are some things about being in the military that most people really get wrong? 
in the military. Yeah, we'll start with so, military, then we'll go to police. Well, one thing is I'm very pro-military, very pro-military, but we don't have the draft anymore. So when I came out and moved to North Georgia, which there's a lot, there's some ex-military here, but it's not near a base or anything. People would always hear I was in the military and go, well, thank you for your service. And, and I would say, you're welcome. And you know, thanks for thanking me. However, they didn't make me go in. And the pay in the military, at least for an officer, I made four times as much in the military when I retired as I did when I graduated from the police academy. So, yes, we owe a, great, a debt of gratitude to our military. It's not the highest-paying job in the world, but compared to policing, I found the benefits in the military were much greater. And then compare that with how much I did in the military. Like I said, in the military, I was training over 90% of the time. But in the police department, I was on the front lines from the minute I put the uniform on till I took it off. So I was, I was amazed, and it's one of the reasons I wrote this book, at how much law enforcement officers do and for how little pay they do it. And I'd walk into a store and get a military discount, and I'd say, do you have a police discount? And most of the time, oh, no. But I'm telling you, if the citizens, and, and I know Atlanta, the Atlanta Police Department, fantastic police department, if the citizens of Atlanta knew how good their police officers were, they double their pay today, and every time they saw one, they give them a hearty thank you. And I'm sure that applies to big and small departments across the country. It, I'm, I, from my experience, it does. And you brought up a, a great point, David. People say, thank you for your service. I've had people say it to me more now that I've been retired than mm-hmm. ever when I was on the job. And maybe it's a culture shift or whatever it might be. But when people say that to me, I get uncomfortable. I, I'm never quite sure how to respond. And I always say mm-hmm. things like, well, we did our job. We did this. And right. I'm getting better at saying, you're welcome. And thank you for saying that. It's exactly what I say. Right. But That's what, what I say. Because they mean it from their heart. They do. And if it's important right. enough for them to say that to you, I should treat it with respect and, and handle it in a respectful way back and not diminish and, and here's when it started happening. I didn't hear that my first two years in the force, so 2010, 2011, 2012. But I think when the whole anti-police movement, I don't know if it was started by Black Lives Matter or who started that, but I think regular citizens, black and white and Hispanic, started to realize, you know, these cops are getting blamed for everything, but had you not resisted, the cop probably wouldn't have needed to pepper spray you, hit you with his baton, or shoot you. And I think through that, there came a, there became a new appreciation for officers. Because my last five, six, seven years of service, and I just retired, uh, I heard thank you at least three or four times a week. And I worked in the hood my last assignment. I got promoted to sergeant and... Uh, I worked a very rough neighborhood, but I got thanked for my service quite often by people of all races. That's what it was for us. When I graduated from the academy, they sent to you where the need was greatest. And I got sent to a very busy district. It's a very bad neighborhood. 
And that's what I became used to. And once I became used to that, it got in my blood, as they say. I, yeah. When I got promoted to sergeant and I got sent to a quieter area, I was bored. I didn't know <laughs> quite how to handle it, and I couldn't wait to get back to the the rough neighborhoods because that's what I was used to. But even in those neighborhoods, even in areas where we had a lot of crime and a lot of violent crime, when yeah. you'd arrest someone, the vast majority of time, it wasn't an adversarial thing. There wasn't violence. Yeah. There was... They had criminals. We had great people. We had hardworking people every now and then got in trouble because they drank too much. And then you had a very small percentage who were hardcore, violent criminals that would wreck your life. Yeah, let's say 1%, 2%. Yeah, I think that that would even be a a bit of a stretch. But the vast majority of people, and I missed that interaction. They knew me. Mm -hmm. They gave me nicknames. You became part of their community because they got used to seeing you every day. Every day that you worked Mm -hmm. at was. Well, mine was just the opposite. When I came out of the academy, they put me in Buckhead, uh, Zone 2, which was, it had all sorts of, I mean, Buckhead, uh, Zone 2 had everything, but it was generally known as the best zone. And then when I made sergeant, they sent me to another zone, which was known as the worst zone. And I was just, I mean, stunned once again here, you know, just at the crime. However... I really came to love it. And like you said, you kind of get used to that because you know you're being of the you're most useful and uh, helpful. And there were, even though you would call pretty much my whole zone the hood, uh, I'd say 90% of the people were fantastic, law-abiding, wonderful people. That's exactly right. I remember being invited to people's backyards in the summertime for barbecues. They'd say, hey, Officer Wiley, how are you? Come on in, have a burger. Or you get, the other thing mm-hmm. is they get called to someone's house because someone broke in or their car, and they'd be embarrassed. And they think, look, we're really yeah. do- we're sorry to bother you. Can I get you a cup of yeah. coffee? What? It was not like how it's portrayed all the time. And I think that's what no. people believe is, is the norm. Before we run out of time, David, I want to talk about your book one more time. What is the name of the book, and where can people get more information? It's called Notes in Blue, The Story of a Police Officer. It's published by Amazon. You can get it on Amazon Books. It's available as a Kindle ebook, also available as a paperback. You can also get in touch with me, my email address, which is duke32057 at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page, and you'll know it's my page because it's got a picture of my smiling face in an Atlanta police uniform. I'm also, I have a Twitter account. You can get in touch with me that way. And the Twitter account is at E-V-E-R, the number four, Z as in Victor, F as in Frank, and B as in Bob. David, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. It's very much appreciated. Hey, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I just love y'all's website, your Facebook page, fantastic i saw that i go i want to be a part of this and thank you so much for this opportunity if you've missed past episodes of the law enforcement today radio show never fear you can listen to them online as a podcast just go to our website letradioshow.com where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more that's letradioshow.com I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. I've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it.
Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Ooh.